Off the Ball. Home of the Saturday panel. Every Saturday from 1. On News Talk 106 to 108. All right, you're very welcome along to our Saturday panel this week. We have uh, Dermot Early, the GPA CEO. We've also got Michael Fenley, the Kenny Hurler. And Kevin Conlon is a Cork footballer, formerly of Leitrim. Uh, you're all very welcome. Thanks very much for joining us. Sure. Kevin, I might start with you because um, the lad stories are pretty well known, but um, you have had kind of a circuitous route to get to Cork, uh, but also have this incredible sideline stroke real, real life outside of football. So um, you're, uh, are you the inventor behind the project you're working on? Um, no, I can't take that credit, but um, I'm heavily involved. Yeah, in a, in a startup, I suppose that innovative technology that we're looking to measure how the body moves. How do you um, do it? Um, what's the benefit of it? Um, well, it's I suppose it's done with cameras and smart software, and the brains behind the operation is a guy in Germany. But we've kind of looked all around the world for somebody who can really do this at, at that sort of level. Um, but the benefits are. I suppose when you can measure how the body moves, you're able to understand a little bit more about why you might pick up injuries and how you can prevent that. So we're just trying to create a system that's clinically viable to use in the field. I suppose this has been done for for decades, but in a lab type setting. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just very expensive, takes a lot of time. So we're just trying to turn it into a practical solution that you can bring it on site and actually give the players and and even in general health access to it. Um, And so, yeah, that's what we've been trying to develop. And what's your role in all this? I suppose it would be leading the technical development of, of, of the product um, and so that's connecting the, the right type of guys so from the hardware itself to the software um, but then because we're in kind of a health area it's very much hinging on the clinical expertise of, of turning this complicated data into something simple like a, a flagging system uh, to highlight okay yeah your left hip is, is showing a bit of weakness and because of that you are potentially going to injure something on that side. It gets a bit complicated and I suppose we're just trying to simplify that entire process. And who are your customers? Um, I suppose sport. the sports market is the earliest adopting market because they're, you're always looking for an extra percent uh, elite sport being the obvious one. Um, but really and truly, it's main... The, the general health market is is something that's of serious interest to us because it's a lot simpler. You're not looking for performance metrics. You're just trying to understand wh- how your body is functionally moving because our generation and I suppose future generations aren't going to be moving as naturally as others just based on day-to-day work, office sort of posture, sitting in cars. And so we're just trying to create a system that it's almost like an NCT for your body yeah. where um, it's hoping to prevent... I suppose get to a preventative mindset rather than a treatment mindset. Okay, uh, the video that um, is on your website—it's it, effectively you, you you film somebody doing fairly standard exercise mm. routine, and then look at the pictures of that, and from that you're going to be able to diagnose. Okay, there's an issue here. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's completely oversimplified things, but uh, well, that, that's that's a good way of putting it. I mean, it is it is complex in the background, but we do need to simplify it. And I suppose that whole process, even the time it takes to do a, a scan or a screen, is really important to us. We want it to be as quick as possible for the subject, be it an athlete or just a general person. So we perform a battery of tests, maybe three minutes long, and the subject can be out 
Now, before this, it could take hours. And we're also putting in place the infrastructure to, to analyse that in real time and cross-platform so that the doctor, the clinician, the physio can have that on their phone straight away so they don't even need to be on site. Um, but there's, you know, there's a balance there to be, to be reached with the clinicians because technology is... It can be intrusive. They have their own way of analysing the body. So there's an area there where we're going to have to work with kind of clinicians to come up with that solution as well. And I suppose that's what we're doing at the minute. We're doing baseline studies where we're trying to build up that information to, to help the clinical teams. Were you a scientist? Is that where, where your own background was? My background was in sports engineering. So I've always been interested in sport and technology. So it's kind of a combination of designing devices to monitor performance ultimately that was the course I was doing right um, so that's how I where do you do a course like that because it sounds very specific <laughs> yeah it was in Galway uh, it was the first one in Ireland actually so I was lucky to be involved it's actually not there at the minute the, the NUIG department had to restructure but it was a very small number there was only eight of us in the class um, but it was it was ma- mainly electronic engineering with a spin off to sports science that's okay. really what the course was and how in the hell do you manage an intercounty career while you're doing all this uh, that's a very good question. Yeah, I suppose I, that, that that was one of the transitions I, I made moving down to Cork. So I, I, I lived in Galway for, for the couple of years and uh, a- after college and it took its toll. Logistically, I was I was doing a lot of commuting back to Leitrim to play. And eventually last year, just between a decision we had to make as a business to, to open a, an office in Cork, um, I kind of had to pull a plug on my county career and my club career. I, but I took a bit of time off and I ended up transferring down there and that's just how the kind of change happened but oh. it was very challenging yeah yeah I'm sure and so this last season you were part of the core panel yeah um, and that yeah look that was uh, that wasn't any big plan or anything like that I was actually considering taking a year out just to focus on the business um, I thought it was a good idea to <coughs> to build a community down there by joining a new club um, and thankfully that just started well and then I got called into the Cork team kind of um, early on in the National League which which I would have laughed at you previous to that because I had no pre-season done or anything like that I was kind of in holiday mode for a couple of months uh, finding myself but maybe rest is as important to the body <laughs> yeah. as uh, all that pre-season training who knew yeah. <laughs> who knew yeah <laughs> um, so yeah that's that's kind of how it happened alright Michael what's your story everybody obviously knows you as a hurler but what's the what's real life like for you yeah, it's not too bad at the moment. I suppose it could be better. You know, looking at games at the minute now, the last few weeks, um, and it's you know really disappointing. I suppose and losing against Waterford first of all, so early in the championship. So, so yeah, that's been taken its toll in terms of getting over that. To be honest, but it was first time that I've ever been knocked out that early since you know my eleven years yeah. uh, under Brian Cody. So, um, so that's been different. A bit more time in my hands. Um, a slight knee problem from that game. So just trying to get that sorted now as well over the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, a bit of time off. I suppose I can focus on Coach Finder now that myself and Nancy Cunningham um, set up last year. Uh, look, I'm doing a PhD in September as well through May Newt. So there's a couple of things going on. Obviously, we're, I'm back lecturing in September, so there's notes there and that to, to get uh, updated and so forth. You lecture in Stanta College, is that right? Or uh, in LIT? LIT, yeah, yeah. Tordis. Okay. And do a bit of online for us, Tanta as well. Though. Right. So, and what do you lecture in? in coaching injuries and nutrition okay so that's obviously something that you know a fair bit about the injuries you're a bit too expert in for your own liking but how did you end up getting into that yeah so um, I suppose I, I, I started off doing a business degree in CIT for four years uh, 03 to 07 and then went on into a banking career um, in Ulster Bank in Kilkenny which was great um, I suppose in my fifth year there I was thinking you know is this what I want to do in the future I was about 27 years of age and I was like you know my next step up would be a manager do I want those responsibilities and again it was very hard there for, for, for customers yeah. they were going through a lot of problems at the time so um, but I spoke to GP at that stage and a few other people in terms of maybe a career change and sport 
was obviously you know a big part of my life but playing for Kenny and that and but I always liked why we do certain things in training that always intrigued me so um ended up finding a course in UL uh, sports performance masters went back done that and again would have got uh, some support from the GPA in terms of um, a bursary there again to help with the, the costs of a master's you know you're talking about 10 grand for the ones of master's these days so did that and then thankfully LAT Turles um, in 2014 hired me um, but I would have went through a few months there looking for a job um, you know getting a few declines from different colleges not having a PhD and so forth and that was really a stressful time you know because as I was going back to college I took a chance of leaving a pensionable, pensionable job um, so I was there now for a couple of months with no job I was meeting a lot of people talking to a lot of people coming up with some business ideas you know I was probably getting up in the morning around 8 and coming home around 8 or 9 in the evening and just tiring myself out to be honest mm. and that was something I couldn't really balance at the time between playing for Kenny and actually trying to um, find a job but thankfully in the middle of, of that summer up to 14 yeah LIT hired me and that just you know made my life a bit more stable a bit more structured and something to aim for yeah and so how what's the lecturing like how often do, is it yeah, so it's, it's September to, to, to May and it's, you know, it's you're 20 hours a week. It's very flexible in terms of, um, you know, it gives you time to, to train, it gives you time to uh, have maybe breakfast in the morning, a good breakfast in the morning. In terms of my gym work, my, my prehab, my rehab, like LAT were excellent with me when, when, I, when I tore my Achilles last year in August. They gave me the time off up until about November, December to get it right. Um, so that's been, that's a huge advantage. And I, I'd say if I stayed in the banking um, you know, a number of years back, I don't think you know I'd still be playing hurling because that flexibility has allowed me to focus more on, on myself as a player and focus on the injuries that I've had and try and come back from them and try and be better and, and, and more physical and stronger. Yeah, and you can also see from their side that it's a draw to have somebody who is still playing elite sport involved in the actual lecturing and coaching. This isn't like you understand the practicalities of what you're teaching yeah without a shadow of doubt and that practical experience is key to the, the theory as well you can link both of them together and we have we have excellent lecturers down there we've Owen Everard who is also um, a runner for Ireland we have Kieran Kyo is SNC for Tipperary Damien Young is video analysis for Tipperary Saoirse Bulfin is involved with Wexford uh, so really high end um, lecturers involved in, in, in LIT and Turles so that adds massive value to the, to the students and I think they respect that and they like hearing stories of what you do maybe yeah. over the years how it's evolved um, so all them, all, all them kind of things are really really important and wh- like what do your students go on to become when they leave you what's the job path for them the job path yeah most of them at the moment we've had I think maybe two years of graduates now and a lot of them end up some of them end up actually um, s- s- set up their own uh, gym uh, for example spoke to one of the students actually just during the week one of our graduates from a year ago and he actually has a gym now down in Waterford um, other people then there's one of the girls actually got an SNC role in Trinity College they were uh, looking for jobs there at the moment or advertising it so a lot of them are gym based I think um, and again some actually might just go away from it altogether maybe and actually go into a different yeah. um, industry or business but a lot of them actually do set up their own businesses which is excellent to see very very tough coming out of college and actually setting up your own gym or your own SNC kind of business and a lot of them end up with teams as well yeah um, Dermot, how's it going? Good, and yourself, Dermot. Good, yeah. So we've we <coughs> actually met at um, uh, the Dublin the Divic, was it? It yeah, was. Yeah, Kevin was actually out. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and off the back of that, we had a lot of, a lot of the rugby lads in. Yeah. And, um, just I'm very interested to hear what life is like for GA players at the very top level because the rugby lads mm-hmm. have downtime and they're actually yeah. kind of forced by the players union go off there and make sure that you use your downtime to get an education yeah. whereas the GEA lads don't really have the downtime they have like this military approach mm-hmm. to time management because it's job or college and work because mm-hmm. they have to pay for themselves because obviously they're not getting paid for the sport so yeah. I think it's probably the trickiest element of mm-hmm. being a senior intercounty player at the moment yeah absolutely it, it's, it's managing your time 
um, to be able to first of all you know meet the the, the demands of, of of your preparation um, your training you know your 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 sleep everything like that uh, but also trying to to, to, to earn a crust mm. um, it's grand as we said for the professional athletes who um, who get paid for what they do and they have that downtime our lads don't have that downtime um, so w- what we'd like to do is ensure um, that you know one that they're doing something that they love as well as playing Gaelic games so um, you know a lot of the time you know we could see in the past maybe that, that players were just uh, finding a job that would suit their their, their GEA careers for a short period of time exactly and um, we were finding that you know they weren't you know fulfilled in that role um, it, it's very important that you find something that you are passionate about uh, and what, what we like to do within the, the GPA and, and particularly in the player development programme is that we will bring them on a journey almost of, of their own self-discovery so that at the end of that journey and that's true a life coach that they will figure out you know first of all who they are secondly what they are and thirdly what their passion is and how they, pers- they can pursue that and then we will I suppose provide the tools um, um, the transactional tools in place to qualify them and put them on that route to get them the job that they like and that they love so that when they're finished playing the inter-county game that they have a career to fall back on that they are really passionate about and they really enjoy. At what point did you guys realise this was the most important aspect? Because, like, and we're not going to talk fixtures mm. today because there's no mm. point. We will again at some point, right? Yeah. But you get hammered about fixtures and yeah. you get hammered about stuff like yeah. that. But actually, while that's important, this is the this is going to be the thing that makes the GPA relevant for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. The fixtures yeah. have to be solved by everybody yeah. and yeah. you've got a role in that. Absolutely. But presumably this is the core reason for the GPA to exist into the future. Well, this is the cornerstone of, of, of what we do. Um, obviously, there's the welfare side of it. Um, and, and that's a job for us. Um, you know, as I said, the, the game has gone, you know, to a whole new level. Uh, we have to be there to ensure that we represent them properly uh, in regards to the welfare side of it. But there's also a responsibility on us to develop them as people throughout their playing career and also beyond that uh, as well. So um, if you look at the evolution of the programme, um, I suppose if we go back to as far as 2008, prior to any GEA funding um Part of the development program probably was just um, was just centered on on scholarships, and we provided uh, practic- uh, approximately fifty scholarships back in two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine. Then, with the agreement with the GAA, where we we increased our funding, we were able to evolve our player development program. Um, obviously, in eleven and twelve, there was a recession, um, and and at that time, probably the most important thing uh, that we, we, we were experiencing was almost finding players' jobs because of that. Mm. Because they had to put a crust on the table and um, they had to pay rent and, you know, they had to, to pay their expenses or, or petrol and, and diesel in order to get to training, put food on the table, etc. But we found that players were coming back and saying, I'm not particularly happy with that job. It doesn't suit me. Um, so we evolved the actual the actual programme and as I said instead of just a transactional approach we looked at the transformational so we brought the the players on this particular journey through our our life coaches and both of the lads have gone through that and you can see that they are now doing something that one they are very passionate about two that they love and three that there's the potential of a career well after the the inter-county playing careers Yeah Was it straightforward enough to go to a life coach and and go or is there a bit of like I haven't done this before I have to swallow hard here and go is it going to be fine I need to open myself up yeah well my journey was I suppose making that choice in 2013 um, 
to go back to college first of all, which was a big uh, which was a big choice. And from there, then I went into lecturing, and it was about 2014 where I saw the Jim Madden Le- leadership program that GPA were advertising. And I know Kevin did it that year. In 2015, I went on to do it. We got thankfully got accepted into the course. Um, but for me, then you get you get actually assigned a coach for that year. And um, and the Madden program itself was excellent. You meet a lot of um, important people from different uh, corporate companies. What's the program? Sorry, um, Jim our Jim Madden leadership program. Uh, Neve McGuinness heads it up there, coordinates it, and does a very effective job. Um, but uh, but yeah, that year was excellent for me to be honest and um, you know you see leadership and at times you don't know exactly what it means obviously from a player's point of view you think of maybe in a dressing room and you're leading on the field or off the field but you don't really have a grasp of exactly what it is so they did um, a different range of talkers um, on different days uh, during that year we'd project at the very end of the year but the one important thing for me was um, a development, developmental day which actually had four activities there was a role play um, with an, actually an actor so you had to actually play out a, a kind of a case study and try and get around him in terms of a job um, that he was messing up on we had uh, an online case study we had a competency based interview and we had to deliver a presentation so it's kind of like you know nearly going for a job nearly for a bank or something like that heavy enough going but I found it excellent so I went in there kind of said right let's see what my weaknesses and my strengths are got a big massive report back went through it with one of the leaders and really I found out exactly what I'm about in terms of my weaknesses and my strengths and where mm-hmm. I need to go with it went through it down with my coach Dan Fran and again he did a personality test with me as well and again at times you think you have strengths and weaknesses but you, you really get to know yourself I suppose and really find out what way you act in certain situations how you are in group activities are you a driver are you maybe a follower and that kind of stuff so I found that very very interesting that's helped me massively in my career at the moment with lecturing it's helped me massively with um, developing coach finder last year and I continue to kind of develop through that so it's been really really important for me over the last two years with the, the Madden programme Is there something that you wouldn't have got if you had stayed working in the bank? Oh, like, like I suppose leadership design came the last couple of years maybe I know back in the downturn you had no courses like that available I know it was there maybe back in the in the early noughties but no I, without a doubt that support there um, is massive through the, these programmes like this is a top end programme that yeah. I'd say most business people would love to attend and even from there then the lads actually have accreditation through Maynute so myself and Kevin then again went on to do um, a cert in leadership through Maynute and got our accreditation from it that we just completed there a couple of weeks back and, uh, and funnily enough then from from talking to uh, Paula Canarney in Maynooth I'm actually starting a PhD PhD now through Maynooth again now actually in September so things have led on from there Yeah because it, it sounds we had um, Jeremy Ling in recently and he was talking about how people get so bound up with their athletic identity and how easy it is just to be a hurler mm-hmm. or a footballer and that's who you become you you it kind of appropriate that identity yourself but also the rest of the world goes that's Michael Fenley Hurler they don't look at you as somebody different and it's so easy for you to become pigeonholed unless you actually do step back and go I'm not just a hurler and actually I won't be a hurler in about five years time when that's over Exactly. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, when you do retire, the, the doors are normally open when you're playing. But when you do retire, they do tend to close, and there's, there's very, very few of them open. And so you got to really develop yourself um, off the field. And I think GPA really are going down that route now of actually making sure that you're actually happy in your job. Um, you're developing your your leadership skills, your own personality, your own characteristics. If you need a change in career options or going back to college, they're there for support. And for me, for me personally, it's more security and comfort that actually, if I do come up with a business idea or if I do want to change something in my life. I have someone to talk to there's, there's people there with special skills um, and if, if it's the GPA can't do it for me they'll find someone who will they're yeah. partnered up with a lot of colleges partnered up with a lot of high skilled businesses who actually can help with players so it's a massive comfort When does the penny drop for you? Because like at 27 you're kind of entering the peak of your powers you're probably a year out from being hurler of the year things are going really well with Kilkenny but at the same time you're not just coasting along something has to go okay this has to stop 
you know, I, it's pretty clued into to develop myself. I'm, I'm a driver that way. I love business. I love talking to people. Um, so for me, I knew I need to obviously provide for myself in the future. When this hurling stops, it stops, and there's no one else going to be there for me. Um, you know, in terms of those doors being open, so you got to develop yourself during that during that period. And you might be playing hurling or gaelic football for two years, three years, four years, or one year. So you got to really make sure you you your life continues after you're 30, 31, or two years of age. Whenever you're tired, things go on, and you got to be set up at that time. So it was around that time, 27, 28, when I knew things have changed here. I had no kids at the time, wasn't married or anything like that, or no house or no mortgage. So it was perfect time for me to. Actually, yeah. to try out something, and if it didn't work, I could always fall back on the banking side of things, insurance. I was QFA qualified, so um, I had a kind of a cushion there, I suppose, to fall back on. Yeah, um, Kevin, from your perspective as a Leitrim footballer, obviously you weren't footballer of the year. People didn't know you the way they would have known Michael, and yet at the same time, this career path and these opportunities are still open to you. Yeah, look, it's it's one of the great things about the GPA. You know, it's it's unconditional. Whatever county you're from, whatever your can your situation is, there's just massive support there I suppose I was I feel I was lucky I, I almost stumbled across the, the services I, I, I was a little bit proactive in that I was at the end of my college course yes on paper what I was doing sounded good it was of interest to me but when, you know the real detail of what we were actually studying didn't really get me but I suppose I was a little bit proactive in, in, in seeking a career guidance counsellor and she realised very quickly that I probably should go on a personal development plan that Dermot kind of introduced and, and through that process it simply, I suppose to summarise it shortly, it just gave me the confidence to pursue an area that I'm really interested in and I suppose like, look, the GPA's tagline is be your personal best um, it's just to go after something you love and it's, it still doesn't mean it's easy but it certainly gave me the confidence to at least try it and look I'm here a couple of years later I'm still involved in something that I am passionate about but every step along the way there's been massive challenges and they've really supported that process be it business advice um, the, the leadership programmes that, that Mick has mentioned but I suppose that instilled something in me that I, I was just primed to notice let's say other players I had an active role within our panel as a rep for the GPA where um I, I just almost found it hard to, to listen to my teammates ultimately who'd be my best friends understanding that they weren't happy in what they were doing and because the range of services and support that was there for them they just need a little bit of awareness for it and I suppose it, it, I just grew into that role where it meant a lot to me that people would at least try to be their personal best off the field and not accept a job that like Dermot is saying is just fitting into their schedule now it's still not for everyone and it's 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 not necessarily easy it doesn't happen overnight but yeah, how, l- how long was your entire process? It, it's still ongoing so I, like I, my first call I suppose was in 2010 and I still have a great relationship with my coach Fran um, he's, he, he is just one of the best sounding boards I can have just any big decision it's great to have a neutral voice but every step of the way I suppose when I look back now I join the dots very easily but at the time you, you know you can't plan too far ahead but there's, it's no coincidence a lot of the things fell into place for me so the leadership programme we ended up designing a schools pro- a community action project where we went into our local schools to kind of instil some life skills to the kids and from that I ended up getting an opportunity to do that professionally as a part-time role uh, through a Sky Sports programme and just things like that and we've sub- subsequently gone on some of us from the from the Madden leadership programme have gone on to do some charity work through Alan Cairns a former Galway footballer and we're raising money for Galway footballer and herder and um, we're raising money for um, a project out in Zambia but I suppose one of the one of the best things I get from from the GPA is that network it's just 
unbelievably passionate people about being their personal best. So whatever that career is, they're just passionate about being the best they can be and supporting. It's, it's almost like um, the you know the new campaign is about being a brotherhood. We're we're really one big team. Um, but it's an unbelievable environment to be in. So any of the programs we were on, the leadership programs, um, even amongst your your panel, when you get that kind of community vibe to it, it's a really powerful network. And then M- Michael also mentioned like the, the the access we got to real business professionals, corporates, um, you know, people that have been really successful, and you can take a lot from them. Uh, you're put in front of them, and you, you have a great opportunity to kind of learn from those people as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, would you have been ready for this as a 20, 21, 22 year old just getting onto the panel or do you kind of need to be that bit older to like be confident enough to be able to step outside? Yeah, you definitely don't and I suppose I was very encouraged by the access I got at a young age you know well relatively young I was I was 20 um, 21 and uh, that you know, the age profile of inter-county players is just going down and down and you're getting a lot of the, the kind of college age group in that area and I suppose look majority of us at that age don't really know what we want to do so I think it's a key time to kind of target that young bracket um, and that's one thing. One of the things I was very passionate about is just listening to students and it, it, you know people are doing courses they mightn't really be interested in or in, in the area but it's, it's never too late to start investigating because as Michael also said you learn a lot about yourself in the process and I think that's the key thing Yeah um, exactly as the lads had said I mean um it is, it is a big part of what we do. We just re- released a, a strategy there in June. Um, and obviously, as you said, there's a couple of things such as around championship structures um, that are a very important part of it. Um, but another part of it is, is the, face and fa- the face-to-face engagements that we have with our players. And I think one of the challenges for us is to ensure that all 2,200 inter-county players are aware of these services. Um, and we would have seen uh, an increase in the number of squad engagements uh, over the last 18 months, but certainly over the last six months as well. We have a number of part-time field officers that work uh, on the ground or regional, the likes of Niall McNamee, Alan Kearns is another, Alan O'Mara, uh, Noel Connors as well. And they will engage directly with the squad reps uh, and and explain the services that we provide yeah. for the GPA and for the players. And it's very important, and, and, and Kevin mentioned it, it doesn't matter what how many All Irelands you have or All Stars you have, what code you play, what status, what tier division. Every single player is treated with the exact same uh, respect um, in this program. And if it, you know, from Leitrim football right up to 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 Kilkenny, Kilkenny hurling, every single player in between. And if we look at it over the last um, nine years, say for instance from two thousand and eight to say the end of June we've had over 3,000 inter-county players engage in these programmes some of them have gained, engaged in multiple programmes and some of the programmes that we have are regards around career which is you know your career plan your development CV interview training um, but also education That that is the cornerstone of the, the player development programme and every inter-county player in third level education receives a grant from the GPA uh, in order to assist with that and there's a whole other I suppose um, number of factors that students um, suffer because um, they're playing for multiple managers they're playing for um, you know they're being dragged left and left, right and centre they don't actually uh, get to experience college life they can't get a part time job because of the commitments that they have um, so it's very important that they are the most vulnerable th- that we support them and it's also important that everybody is different everybody has a different journey some journeys are shorter 
than others. Some are, some are longer. We had a player recently that within six weeks went on that journey, changed jobs and, and is in a job now where he really, really loves. And that's the most important thing. But every Gaelic footballer and hurler, as in every human being, are different. So that journey can take a while. It's just important for us to ensure that one, they know about it and two, that we provide them uh, uh, and bring them along that journey. I think that networking point is, is interesting because there's there's always been an assumption that there is a GA network there, but mm-hmm. that frequently it's to get a sales rep job or to get you into teaching and to and they're not necessarily the long-term right career path for a lot of people, but they were handy for GA yeah. for inter-county players for the best part of three or four decades, but actually maybe that's not the right thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and, and we, we, we kind of saw that as well. Um, you know, it's very important, as Michael said, that you find something that you love, not something that just facilitates you playing your your sport. I mean, your sport will only last for a number of years. You know, it's quite a short window. It's getting shorter and shorter. We have to ensure that our players, because of the amount of time, the hours, the commitment and the demands, the level that it's at now is greater than it ever was. I retired five years ago. It's gone up a notch again. If I go back to when I started in 97 to when it was in 12, there was a huge difference. I can only imagine now, you know, the difference again. So we have to be there to support them through that, but also after that. And that's what the player development programme is. It's all about doing that. And as Kevin said, it's not for everybody. And that's fine. Um, people, Some people are quite content and quite happy. But it's for everybody to know that 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 that, yeah, that, that journey is turn there it down, if, 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 if they require it. Yeah. What are those commitments like at the moment? Is it a, like if you weren't doing, if it was a 40-hour week instead of a 20-hour week, would it be possible? It would definitely make it a lot harder to work, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously you'd be racing from maybe 5 o'clock from Turles to head back over for training. Like you'd be heading over there by 6 o'clock trying to get something to eat in the meantime. I'm normally there an hour before training in terms of getting a bit of physio and doing a bit of stability, mobility work and, you know, activation work. So um, it'd be very, very difficult, to be honest. Um, I don't think I'd be still playing, to be honest, if I actually didn't make that career change. And even players, you know, with long travelling commitments, it's, it's making life so much harder for them because they are getting there training a bit earlier. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, there might have been three or four, but maybe an hour early for training. Now the whole team is there, yeah. ready, to, ready, ready to, you know, whatever the physio. I said the activation work. It's gone that serious now, so um, it is a 25, 30 hour week. I'd say in terms of training and commitments. And look, it's it's voluntary. It's fine. We, like we we know what's involved. Uh, we wouldn't do it if we didn't like it, I suppose. But um, it's about having the, I suppose, a bit of flexibility in your job. And, and most employers, you know, in terms of who are very in favour of the GEA, you know, do give flexibility with players. But if you're travelling long commitments, um, I think the halfback for Tyrone there is a McCann. He's a pharmacist in Dublin at the moment, travelling long hours. Read his article there lately, and he was saying himself that's not going to last. Um, the market is saturated up in up in the north there with um, with pharmacists, so that's why he has to come to, to Dublin. But he knows himself that can't last because your muscles are tightening up in driving. You know, back if you have back any kind of back problem at all things are going to come at you so um, so it's tough um, but look that's the way it is on at the moment so it keeps it keeps getting more and more though it, like there's an arms race on where some one team sets the standard and in this case it's the Dublin footballers and obviously there's a, a lot of money around for them to make things a little bit easier for them the public transport's a bit better in Dublin than it is in, in most other counties and every other county just has to match that because that's the rules of the game right yeah, I suppose. Yeah, look, obviously, up in the M50 up here in Dublin is um, it can be getting from one side of the of, of Dublin, you know, can be hassling itself. Like, but resources are very, very important, and I think they are growing in most counties. Obviously, who can afford them? Um, 
but yeah look it is what it is we're all trying to get up to that standard and I suppose every year as you said it's, it's the bar is getting higher and higher you know you're, you're getting bringing in more resources um, sports nutritionists are getting you're seeing more of them now on full time role sports psychs more of a full time role yeah. as I said um, that prehab work collective sessions gym sessions like it's everything is getting more and more and more starting that bit earlier um, and it is it's, it's to make the player better it makes sense you know for me I went over in Australia for a bit and was seeing maybe there's the bones of 20 to 30 staff working with that AFL team and there's a lot of one one on one sessions which I find great to be honest you know if you're working with a physio or a rehab coach you get so much more out of it instead of actually doing it by yourself in your own time so I definitely can see more um more backroom team that getting bigger and bigger yeah. um, and it, it does make sense but it's more resources it's more money it's more time yeah but you want players to have longer careers and the only way they can do that is, is if they feel that their personal life is progressing at the same time and they're not putting their personal life and their family life on hold so it's finding that balance and you can't do that without having a sense of okay I'm, I'm educating myself and I'm, I will have a career at the end of this as opposed to being a former mm-hmm. inter-county footballer who's like you know going to the bank and saying give me a loan and yeah. like, what's your job and yeah, and, and that's that's the key to this, you know. Um, Michael mentioned the AFL there. Um, other player associations have adopted this model. Um, the AFL have, have put out statistics that say that there's a 10 to 20% on-field increase in your performances if you get the player development side of it and your own personal life correct. And um, I'd like to think that the GPA, Siobhan Early, has done an unbelievable amount of work over the last eight years in this department and she has brought it to a level which is world class where other associations are adopting what we have put in place as well. I suppose the only other the issue is that um, you know those player associations have, have smaller playing bases. Um, for instance Rugby Players Ireland would have 300 players and a staff of 10. We have a staff of 10 and 2,200 players so that is a challenge there's always a challenge to make sure that the programmes that we have are to the highest possible standards uh, and obviously that, 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 that costs money uh, it's our job to ensure that we have enough funding to maintain those standards and increase them but also obviously offer them out to, to more of those 2,200 players Yeah it's true if everybody comes and says they want the yeah. whole thing it's, you, There's a cost but without, yeah. without reducing the standard of the programme that we provide you know, and the Madden Leadership Programme is an example of that and that was came to fruition um, through a, a donor uh, in, in the US, Mike Madden, um, who, who wanted to give back something to the inter-county player because he saw you know, what they do yeah. uh, and what they give to Irish society as well. So that's why well. fundraising in the US is important. Well, obviously, it's, it's very important. And, and, but and it's just a jolly <coughs> for the lads, is how, absolutely it's, not. how it gets painted. It's, it's absolutely not, and I'd love if we didn't have to. Um, but we don't get enough... Uh, you know, even in from to, to, to cater for all our players, and um, so that's a challenge for us, and we have to do it. Um, with regards to, to, to fundraising, it, it, it takes a huge amount of time, um, but it's something that that is 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 ne- um, it, it's, there's a necessity for it at the yeah. moment, and uh, we will continue to do that. Um, are you surprised at the level of negativity that you've uh, encountered since you took over? Um, I, I suppose a little bit. Um, I, I think that. You know, I, I, everybody has a, you know, their own opinion of, of, of the GEA. It's such a democratic organisation. Everybody from, you know, a non-playing member in whatever club, a junior club in, in whatever part of the world has as has has a much of a voice as, as the other person. Um, for me, the challenge is just getting that message out. And I think if people understand and are aware of the programmes of what we do, there will be a greater appreciation for the work that the GPA do. Yeah. What do you two think of the negativity... Um, 
well, I think the GPA have really like uh, since I've kind of gotten involved, I've I've seen a massive progression in in the message and their, like their campaigns to internally build up the awareness of what it is. And I suppose that's the core priority. I mean, ultimately, with the, within the playing yeah, population, so the then popular, they can go and be the the yeah, ones who are advocating get, for it. Get, getting the message out to to the players that this is the support that are available to yeah. them. I think they've done a really good job. It's getting a lot of momentum now and I think they're getting to a place where they're comfortable with that. But a lot um, of the old guard of the GAA see you guys as some kind of interlopers who are here to break the organisation from within. Yeah. Um, and look, as Dermot said, they're entitled to their opinion. Um, I suppose the GAA have a remit to, to look after the players first and foremost. And I think over time, and players publicly speaking about you know, positively about what the what the organisation are about might change that, but ultimately they have a remit. They have to they have to you know get the funding to to achieve that. And from from my own point of view, the, I think the processes that are in place to to get the players' voice across the board is extremely fair. It's extremely well thought out. So any proposal that goes from the GPA, you know, is thoroughly thought through and it's giving everyone a voice so it, I, I believe it represents the players opinions like as accurately as possible and sometimes that can be completely slated in the media or whatever it is and you know my opinion on it is I think that's an ignorant uh, opinion because they don't know the facts and so I don't worry about it to be honest but and yet I, like, I, I understand why you wouldn't worry about it but at the yeah. same time someone has to fight back on that and go actually hang on a second these are our processes and this is what this is how we've arrived at it and it can't just be the the core leadership. That's why the players kind of need to start doing that a bit more. It feels like, yeah, I think so. And look, I think that's a thing that's going to evolve. So as I said, there's a much higher player engagement now, and so naturally over time that's going to happen. And of course, there could be an obtrusive way to do it, and and maybe that's something they'll they'll look into at doing. But um, over time, I think that message is going to start coming out. Yeah, just on that as well. I mean, if we look at it ourselves, we, we there has been a huge amount of change. Over the last number of years, um, Seamus Hickey has now taken over from Don Logue as, a, as, a, as our chairman. Um, David Collins has taken over as our president, just retired. And we've Paul Flynn there, that's still a current Dublin footballer. Um, you know, so we, we, the, the, the leadership of the association is right at the, at the cold place of, of what's going on. Uh, what we'd like to encourage is that more players like Kevin and Michael get even involved as squad reps. And there is a progression from squad rep to our national executive committee. And it's our national executive committee that's made up of players and former players with a few independents for, for, for I suppose, that, that, that specific knowledge required um, that set our mandate. And they're the ones that tell us what they want us to, to, to go and do. So one of the challenges and, 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 and what is part of, of our strategic plan is, is for us to identify the next generation of leaders yeah. within, the G, within the GPA. It's tricky because they're all desperately trying to maintain that work-life balance where they're getting the rest, they're getting it to training an hour beforehand. And then at the end of the meeting, at the end of training, they're saying, "Can you all come over here? I just want to tell you about something." Yeah, that 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 is a challenge, and and I'm kind, of, you know, even from my own squad visits, um, I, I've tried to get out to as many over the last six months as possible. Uh, haven't got to them all, but I will over the next two and a half years. I, I will get to every squad, but you're always conscious of eating in to one the manager's time. Um, because lads are rushing and as you said you know doing doing the foam rolling and the prehab for an hour even before you go out onto the field to do a warm up so I'm always conscious of of actually eating into that time what is the best time is it to do it beforehand is it to do it after is it to do it away from training yeah. altogether but then you're bringing them away again so it's finding 
that balance and I think that that's where the squad reps play a very important role because they're there the whole time and as the lads have have come through our programmes and and have become advocates they can pass on the message as well so yes it's important to go visit visit the squads but I would be conscious of eating into that to that time because you're eating into preparation yeah of course Uh, Mick would you always have gone yeah just on the the negativity in that there Joe and the sports for for years I feel the GPA have been underfunded Um, we we speak about awareness there wasn't that awareness out to the the counties because to the players because there wasn't actually enough people there to actually get the message out so that's been a huge issue and there's been a massive amount of work done over those years with Desi and Don and all the lads and um, I suppose they came across a lot of obstacles over those years with different organisations not happy with this GPA progressing and so forth but we don't get a whole lot of players we get expenses and we get some gear um, all the lads trying to do is make sure we're actually happy in our job that we actually are set up when we do retire we actually uh, we are set up in life with a job that we're happy with and that we're not retiring at 30 or 2 years of age in a job we don't like and it, you know I've done a sales job because I wanted to do it for the hurling next thing I don't like it I'm trying to change career options go back to college and so forth so they want people just be happy in life TJ Reid last year would have said he had sleepless nights when he was thinking about setting up a gym and again that, that caused instability for him I suppose in terms of his playing and actually off the field side of things so uh, Dermot's point on the 10-20% improvement off the field is, is or on the field is very very important that actually if you do get a stable job actually your performance will hopefully increase and and thankfully TJ obviously he got set up he got his gym open and, and now he's and this year in particular like the highs this year he got back to them in 2000, compared to 2014 um, if you compare it sorry last year but, but that's where the GPA is at and it is about just providing those services that are there for him if you want to use them they can use them yeah. I didn't use it for a number of years because I didn't need to I was happy in college and I was happy in um, in my job in Ulster Bank and then I actually needed to change and then I could fall back on the GPA Yeah I mean were you fully aware of what those opportunities were when you were happy in your job as well? Like I, it- I was aware of some of the things in terms of financial advice um, in terms of some tax advice and so forth small things like that but um, but I was aware of it and that was fine but I didn't really know the ins and outs of it yeah. you know, the, the leadership the Jim Madden thing that came on board 2014 like that's a huge programme for, for players to, to to grab hold of and actually try and get, and, and the networking is absolutely huge I didn't I, I wouldn't have met Kevin before until the, the Madden programme like Tom Parsons these players from Mayo Gaelic football and hurling mixing together the, the, the women's GPA, GPA as well, yeah, the yeah, girls yeah. are there as well and again I wouldn't have come across any of them so it's a huge networking um, um, system I suppose that we can use and there's 2,200 members in the GPA and even that alone is huge for networking for academic side of things and for business side of things so um, that's all the lads are trying to do is set up these programmes make life easier as I said myself and Andy Cunningham have a business that we set up last year Coach Finder we didn't need a GPA um, back then because we had the tools to set up what we want to set up actually contact GPA last week said look we're, we're ready for the next step can you actually put us in contact with someone who we can talk to about the marketing side of things about the website and so forth and that's where they come in I suppose yeah so when you see some of the negativity are you like ah, look it's pure it, it's Irish people a lot of it is rubbish you know it takes time for them to get to no, when we brought in this smoking ban years ago people are giving us think about it. now if you had a cigarette b- beside someone they go cracked so it just takes years for that change to actually uh, take to, I suppose to, to hit with people or to stick with people and um, it takes a bit of time but from what I've seen there's been huge work been done and now the GPA are really in the driving seat at the moment in terms of putting these programmes in place for players I, I think naturally as well it's a difficult situation because the inter-county players are I don't know what the stat is Dermot but like you know a percentage of the overall playing population so uh, obviously it's seen that it's only you know a, a small portion but as I said if there, if there was the funding available to give these services to every player in the country that would be a brilliant world but so there's a limitation there that you have to 
have some sort of remit and some sort of bracket and I think that's what the GPA are just doing their best in that field and it's it's difficult to see it unless you're involved and like you know you have to appreciate that too yeah yeah and just to Kevin's point there we are we are a small percentage yes but the inter-county game generates 80 percent of the GAA's income um, what we secured last year was 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 fifteen percent of that commercial revenue, which is quite a small, um, quite a small portion. You know, given the fact that it is actually generated on our our inter county game, our two thousand two hundred members. So, and, and it's that particular that fifteen percent that goes directly to supporting these programs. Just an, another thing there, and and, and we, we mentioned about the, the services that we provide, and and another area is obviously the well being side as mm. well. Um, you know, as I said, everybody everybody is different. Uh, uh, you know, that's what makes humans so special. Everybody deals with issues in in a different way. I suppose um, we would have seen an increase in, in mental health issues as well, um, whether that's players just struggling with those challenges, um, whether it's depression, whether it's an addiction, gambling, alcohol, whether it's dealing with a death or anything like that. We also have a 24-7 counselling service and a follow-on residential treatment for players that need it and there are a number of players and if I give you a statistic last year in 2016 we had 95 players who actually rang and looked for that support so that's a very important part because as the demands placed on the lads uh, grows that you know the pressures that, that 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 players face increase and we have to be able to provide a service and it's a service that players can trust uh, that's very important that they can contact us in confidence. Uh, I'm not saying they don't get that in any other part of the country, but I think certainly they've developed a trust with the GPA where they can ring and know that they can tell their problems and it's going to get they're going to get the help that they require. And I think that's a that's that's an important point. Okay, that's clearly a, a, another part of of what you guys do. Do you still feel like there is a misunderstanding of what the role of the GPA is? That like, and and, and why does that? Exists well. I, I look. If we look at the, the the evolution of of the GPA, we're only in existence fifteen years. is a very small part. Um, originally, uh, when 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 we came to formation, it was it was to do with the, the the welfare issues. We probably were a little bit more militant, but we had to be. It was six years before the GPA or the GA would even sit down with the GPA and have a meeting. It was 11 years after our formation that we were recognised as the official player's body. So it took a lot of time and I suppose in that period there were a number of things that happened that maybe the wider GEA community didn't appreciate but they had to be done. I think now that the, we are we are the official um, representative body of, our, of all our inter-county players we can now evolve ourselves and it's certainly that's what we're doing. I don't think there has to be a fear of us. Yeah. Whatever we do will be done in the best interest of all our players and they will set the mandate and I think there's still possibly a fear that if something doesn't go our way that we're putting down tools and we're striking obviously you know that's not what we're doing. I think the best way is through communication and you can sort out issues through communication and we have a direct line to the hierarchy of, of the GEA and we will continue to bring the issues and you know by doing that the issues get addressed and it's been working that way that's not how, not saying that if an issue does come that the playing body feel very strongly about then okay, of course we'll take action but you know I think that mistrust well, you're, you're, was you're trapped between the people who want you to be way more militant and mm-hmm. those who think that you're already too militant and trying to find that path in the middle ground where you can actually continue to do business and, and put down roots for the longer term so that's the, that, that's the tricky side of this well that is the challenge but I think I, th- I think also in, in getting our message out you know first of all to our to our 2,200 players 
uh, uh, get get it out to them first of all and remember the playing body changes every year you know people leave people come in so that's a challenge for us to get that message out as well um, and I think once we get it out it's maybe even the wider GA community just around that county boards yeah and then obviously I, th- the, I think the as well Ger- like public. Dermot you said I think 15% is the figure that from the commercial revenue that's gained comes back you know if you actually look at other organisations across world sport it's 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 close up on, on 50% you know so that, that's why at times uh, there is a, a kind of approach that yeah we need to take action or, or that because you know it's it's not actually a fair reflection if you were just to look at it in simple business terms that 15% has gotten now that's, that's a huge achievement from where it was a couple of years ago so there's progress there but I think the organisation being very fair on what they're pushing for and the values but as I said the game it's the games themselves are evolving so quickly and trying to support that and, and, and keep on top of it is a, is a massive challenge in its own self Yeah I, I can't see the GPA striking again though like I can't I, I, you, you would expect that their relationship has reached a point of maturity where the conversations can be hard and difficult but actually they'll be open to a point where okay this is how we feel very strongly about stuff you need to change things with the GA and it should be that relationship rather than uh, screw you we're taking our ball and going home yeah I suppose it depends on the on the severity of, of, of what the debate is you know I think taking action like that look I haven't been involved in that at that level but um, I think if something if you feel that strongly about something uh, it's the only option that would really make the change sometimes it feels like that anyway but I suppose Dermot you've been involved longer so. yeah well <coughs> obviously n- nobody wants to, to, to bring that to to reality um, again it's it, you know it's about lines of communication um, we have that as I said it, it has evolved um, but if there is an issue and this is this is important I think that if there is an issue that the players really feel strongly about and they're not getting traction on that then we obviously have to look at all the, uh, all the, uh, I suppose, the options on the table. So, look, communication is the way f- is the way forward at the moment, and, yeah, and so we continue to do that. You guys don't see yourselves as um, as being the the um, setting the tone for what all the players think. You want to be reflective of what the players think, if you know what I mean. So you're not like a political party being led by leadership. No, it's uh, here. Here's an organisation, and you've been very careful not to use the word union. I, I've noticed that you're a representative we're, body. We're, we're ex- exactly, we're a representative body, and and you know everybody, every player, whether whatever issue they have. Um, you know, can bring it right to the rep, right to the NEC. It's the National Executive Committee that's made up of players and former players that set the mandate for the association. And that's very important. And we'll carry out that mandate as the leadership. We haven't talked about fixtures. How important is that? Like, um, maybe we'll come back and do that properly yeah. In, yeah. in detail some other time. But just how important an issue, like, because obviously this type of stuff is, the, is yeah. exactly what the membership needs. And fixing mm-hmm. the fixtures yeah. is hugely important yeah. too. And yeah, it, it, look, it, 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 I think we're seeing change happening at the moment. Um, it, it, it's incremental. I, I think the GEA is an association where we just can't come in and change everything. Um, there's too many stakeholders involved. There's too much um, of an appetite not to change. So incremental change is probably the best uh, form at the moment. Um, we're seeing it in the football and it will be interesting to see how the Super 8s goes next year. We're seeing it in the hurling. 
you know, I, I think it's, it's a very exciting, um, you know, championship proposal for next year. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, my plan as part of the strategic plan is to monitor that, but is to look at all the competitions, including third level, the National League and uh, the championship. And if we can make change there, then that, that'll be successful. But we have to be mindful that the provincial councils are still there and within the provincial council, there isn't an appetite for change. So it's about managing that relationship and seeing what's best incrementally over the next couple of years. And what are the players saying to you guys? Like, What's that forum like? Well, the players just want to play. And let's be straight about that. Players want to play. What they want to do is reduce the number of training to games ratios. And if I give an example of, say, Kerry, when they won the All-Ireland in 2015, I think the training to game ratio was 12 to 1, which is ridiculous, you know. 12 training sessions to one game. We all want to play. We've all wanted to play from a young age. So what they want to do is, is reduce the number of training sessions to games, and that's something that we're taking into account. We have a, a competition structure reform committee, and we're looking at that. Um, and we'll talk to everybody. We've talked to the, to, to the Club Players Association, and I, I support the Club Players' um, proposals to, to leave the, the month of, of, of April free for, 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 for club games we'll see you know a, an increased window next year when the when the Isle Islands are brought forward and I think that's going a long way to relieve that fixture congestion but it would also do something for our county players which is reduce the games to training ratio If you had last uh, last year back just a bit before Congress would you take that back and do it all <laughs> Absolutely. again? Absolutely and I've said that um, I mean it's been a massive learning curve for me um, obviously you you, you, you we were a little bit late coming to the table with what the players uh, wanted in that particular case um, and, and it was a lesson um, and you might see now that we are a little bit more proactive certainly around the hurling proposals that any decision that has been made is, is, is put out into the public domain um, yeah definitely it's, a, it's been a learning curve but that's you know that was the challenge that I was looking forward to um, and certainly, I think with anybody, even if you went back and did a day, would you do it differently? Of course you would. Yeah. The hurling proposals? Um, I haven't actually looked into it much, Dor. I've had I've enough of my own place <laughs> to be worrying about pictures, to be honest. Um, my thing really is that I'm delighted the CPA got formed. I'm delighted that the players, the, C, you know, the club players have a voice because their year is nearly longer than our own year, to be honest, the county one. Like they go from January on to no- October, November in some cases, and it's stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Obviously, if you lose a game in championship in, in, um, in mid-season, next thing, the fixtures are all changed again. Mm. There's games put back and so forth. So they're, they're just in, in no man's land in my eyes, and something drastically needs to, to change there. I know they have two proposals made this week. Again, I actually haven't had time to look at it, but um, a lot of stuff sounds good, and there is changes being made. It's slow. Again, it just goes back to GA and goes back to Irish people, just really slow to make changes. Um, whether there's dinosaurs up there in terms of look, like you know who pulls the strings for these things, I don't know. But um, you'd like things to happen quicker because I think everyone's kind of saying the same thing. Everyone has views on it too. Like so, I don't get cut, too caught up in it. Definitely, the training sessions are. You know, anytime that we've not all Ireland or the all Irelands, we know sometimes the minimum or the minimum amount of games we played is four. You know, and, and that's that's your championship season. That's what everyone looks forward to. In my eyes, now the league actually is more exciting because you're heading down to Cork, you're heading up to Galway, Salt Hill, or you're heading to Torles to play Tipperary, or they're coming to our Nolan Park. People are excited about it. They're yeah. going, even you know, your parents or your fans are going the night before and they're staying over, and everyone's mixing together mm-hmm. and socialising. Just huge crack and huge um, atmosphere for for those games. And come championship, then for me, it's a kind of a letdown early. And you know, something has to change. Here. I'd rather see more games come championship, like and maybe started earlier earlier in. 
April or, or early May maybe whatever it may be but um, yeah. for me definitely the league is way more exciting The talk of the round robin in the provincial championships seems to me like it's not really a great solution either ultimately because you'll only be playing the teams from your province again and again and again year in year out but actually we'd love to see Kilkenny against Waterford in Nolan Park in a championship match that wasn't straight knockout. Yeah, and we're missing these opportunities without a doubt. And look, we've we've only two provinces left, so why not just open the thing up properly? Yeah, as you said, and not to have two separate provinces because it's we, you know there's four provinces in Ireland. We've only two left. Uh, the Leinster is already artificial, so we've only one really, I suppose, which is Munster. So why not just open the whole thing up and um, and create massive excitement again in these first uh, round games? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We've opened a can of worms here, <laughs> and uh, just in terms of that whole notion of the 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 playing thing, the, the thing that comes in all the time is that sometimes GPA members forget that uh, there was somebody in the club who was a volunteer who trained you guys as, as coaches as kids and why are they not as entitled to the funding and all the stuff from Croke Park do you guys have an automatic answer for those charges? An automatic one not really I suppose Like I've personally felt that we've been equipped with the skills to at least give back at some level you know so that's one thing that we can do be involved at the club uh, or as I mentioned we have done community action projects and it's look it's only at a tiny tiny scale really based on the time commitments that we have on our plates but over time I think that that'll add value that we do appreciate where we where we did start off I suppose um, but there is no easy answer for that because where does it stop um, I suppose internally in the GPA they have a, there's enough of a challenge there with the turnover of players uh, anyway but then once you go outside that's so as the lads mentioned like completely welcome the, the club players association you know we're club players as well and and like we call a spade a spade the, the whole fixer thing is a mess and the players obviously are craving a change we have to be respectful that it won't like I personally love a full revamp but as Dermot says incremental change is probably the more likely and less obtrusive way of doing it um, but there's no doubt that it has to happen because what, what's ultimately happening is older players are, are leaving clubs they're just stopping earlier other commitments it's just the fun is nearly gone out of it as well uh, because you don't know when you're playing and you're missing out on holidays and opportunities and the commitment level is still going up so there's a danger there that you know uh, that it'll drive players away from the games and so I think uh, there's, there's obviously an urgent need for that Alright, good stuff lads, thanks very much for uh, sharing your stories with us this afternoon uh, my thanks to Dermot Early the CEO of the GPA to Michael Fenley and to Kevin Conlon best of luck with the uh, startup best of luck with the lecture and the injuries as well Off the Ball Home of the Saturday panel every Saturday from 1 on News Talk 106 to 108